Hello, and thank you for joining the North Point Church Lutes podcast. We're excited that you found us, and we pray that you'll come back often and listen again and again. Each week, we upload the content preached in one of the North Point Church services here in Lutz, and we pray that you'll come back and listen and marinate on what it is that God was teaching us. The more that these messages get into your heart, the more that you have the opportunity to be obedient and allow them to change your life. We believe that God is real and His Word is true, and that has the power to change your life. So let's lean in together and see what it is that God has in store for you today. I hate running. Thank you. Anyone else with me on that? I will run if something's chasing me, but I will evaluate the risk prior to the degree of which I'm going to run away. Uh, man, I tell you what, 2021, I can't believe that we're halfway through. This is the, uh, the midpoint the midpoint Sunday of the year feels like a, uh, a marathon has already begun in this year. And um, uh, I tell you, this has been a very busy year for, um, for my family. It's, it's been a whirlwind of the last year and a little bit of time, um, probably 17 months, I don't know, since, uh, since my wife was diagnosed with cancer. And um, we've been through so much t- together. We've tried to live as transparently as possible. It's been my goal to try to, um, to disciple you guys, through being as transparent as I can and being sensitive to my family as well as um, not overshare, you know, things that are going on. And so thank you for allowing me to try to balance that. I think I've done a pretty good job with it, but it's not an easy thing to do. I know that my family, we're going through stuff real time. And so um, it's been, it's been hard, to be honest. Uh, but along the way, I'm grateful that I have uh, men and women in my life that I can be transparent with, and I always do my best that when I come on this stage is to never put on a show or a front for you guys, because I know that if I can't be myself and transparent before you, then you don't need me to be your pastor, um, because um, you know I, I don't have to become something else. I just need to be me and let God work through me, and so... Uh, and, and so along the way, I think that um, as God has used his word and, and as God has kind of discipled me and, and strengthened me and my family through this journey, uh, I think it's helped create messages that have been not only helpful to me, but hopefully they've been helpful to you as I've walked through this. And, um, and so I'm grateful for the journey on, on one hand because I know it's produced some 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 great content that's been helpful to me and, and hopefully helpful to you. But at the same time, as I've counseled with my um, with with the elders of the church and with the staff and and those that are outside of the church that are my still my counsel, my my mentors that I go to, and as well as my counsel and my bride, um, I am finding that um, I'm not doing as well as I think I'm doing. <laughs> Uh, and so sometimes, you know, we, we struggle and, uh, but I'd love to, I'd love to say that I'm doing great, but about a month and a half ago, I, I was, I, I was really, um, I, I was, I, best way I could describe it. I was losing a little bit of my grip. Um, and, and that probably came out, my staff probably felt it the most because my, my tendency when I lose my grip is to pick up a little more micromanagement mode and they're like, dude, chill out. It's okay. You know? And so, 
Uh, and so it's probably been, I've probably been a little difficult to work with, although that my team is very, very gracious. Pastor Corey uh, has an incredible level of uh, kind of levity that he can bring to everything with his humor and his personality. I'm grateful that God has put someone like that in, in my um, in, in my <laughs> in my in my path, uh, and also the elders of the church. I have incredible friends with them as well. Um, but um, I have been given a recommendation by my counselor as well as through my godly counsel that it would be wise for me to take a um, just a short sabbatical break to allow myself to work on my mental health and my spiritual health and minister to my family just to regain a little bit of a grip um, because the journey that we're on uh, through what my wife is experiencing, if you'd have read her social media post this last week, the treatments are getting harder for her and we don't know really exactly the length of the road that we're on. And it's kind of an endurance race. That's why I say I hate running, especially endurance running, because I don't, I don't know how long, you know, the, the journey is, how, you know, how, how much, how much treatment and, you know, I mean, when is God going to answer our prayer and, you know, just all the different pieces to the puzzle. It's just, it's just long and hard. And so, um, and, and so I, after seeking counsel, I, I felt like the, the best thing for me to do is to, to take the month of July, which is four Sundays, uh, and, and um, just not be on the platform and communicating and allow me to have an opportunity just to rest and reflect. And so um, I won't be serving in a, on a Monday through Friday capacity as well as on a Sunday capacity here. But I will be here on church, at church on Sunday. My wife and I said, well, what do we do about you know, church? Do we go elsewhere for church? And she's like, where else do we go? This is where we, this is our home. This is where we belong. And this is where we want to be. And this is where we need to be. And so, um, you know, we, we chase after God privately and personally, like I hope and pray that you do as well. But when we come into this place, it's where we corporately worship God. It's where the overflow of our time with him needs to be expressed. And where we come and we praise him with everything in us through the good times and through the bad times, we worship God. And so, uh, man, we just, we, we expect, um, that, um, you know, through what's going to happen in the month of July in the message series. I'm excited about where God's taking us through the month of July. There's a lot of great content that uh, will be brought uh, to the table through this new Chasing the Calling series. Um, and so I'm excited to be a part of it and, and to experience that. I'm excited to worship with you. And so I just want to encourage you, please don't miss a Sunday. Let's, let's support my elders as, as uh, at your church elders as, as you walk through this time with them. I'll be right here with you. And, um, and just pray for my family and pray for me that uh, I can continue to work on my physical health, my mental health, and minister to my family in this season. So I hope that makes sense to you. Um, hopefully I'm communicating that, that well um, because it's important that you hear my heart uh, you know, with that. But as I prepared for this message, I, I just asked God, I said, Lord, you know, how, how would you like me to, what would you like me to share today as I you know, would, you know, kind of put a pin in where I'm at. And again, the same thing that God's always done is how are you ministering to me through your word today? And then how in turn can I somehow take that and share it back with us? And hopefully that uh, through God's alive, living, active word, it would not only minister to my heart, but it would be of assistance to you. And where God brought me was a passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 12. And I'd like to ask you to open your Bibles, uh, or your, or your um, North Point app and, and go to your message notes there and you can follow along. 
with me in Hebrews chapter 12, starting off in verse 1. And so, um, man, I pray, because this is really ministering to me, I pray that it will do the same to you as well. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that's slowing us down, and especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. There's that run, the endurance race that God has set before us. And so I want to spend some time, there's so much in this first verse that, man, I could just preach the whole message based upon this one verse alone. But I want to spend some time understanding a few nuances to this verse, because then I think it'll help us to try to apply this to our lives. And the first thing I want to call out in this passage is this life of faith. So since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, which we're going to get to in just a minute, who are the witnesses? Who is this huge crowd of witnesses? But we are, we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. What is this life of faith that you and I are living? And because it's so important that you and I get this right. The life of faith that you and I are living goes far beyond our general understanding of just life in general, what you and I would call our life as it exists today, your life, your life in terms of your job, your life in terms of the house that you live in, the car that you drive, your 401k, your children, your in-laws, the complications of your life. Your life of faith is far bigger than I would call your kingdom that you are building uh, within this earth that you live in, your education, your experiences, and all those things that you have. Your life of faith goes well beyond your general life that we have that we would say is our kingdom personally here on this earth. You see, Satan would want you to think that your life is just about that. And unfortunately, most of us spend our entire life focused on our kingdom. But what the writer of Hebrews is trying to help us understand is that there's something way, 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 way bigger. And all throughout God's word, he's trying to help us understand that it's something way, 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 way bigger. Jesus has been telling us there's something way, 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 way bigger. And that there is a a bigger perspective of why we exist on this life. And it's not just for your kingdom and for your personal experience and joy. We are living for something greater. And that something greater is this life of faith that you and I live has a purpose. And the purpose that we are placed upon this planet for is to bring glory to God, number one. We just sang about this song, forever you are glorified, forever you are lifted high, forever, you know, you are, you, he is risen, he is alive. We sing hallelujah, hallelujah, the lamb is overcome. There's, there's, this, there's this cry that is going on, and it's happening in heaven right now as we speak. God on his throne, there's these angels that are around him that are crying, holy, 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 God all, Lord is the Lord God Almighty. There, it is the proclamation that's happening over the top of God all, all the time. It's his, majest- his majesty and his glory is far too great for you and I to fully comprehend of who he is. The creation gives glory to God. And we are part of his creation. Our lives exist to glorify God. And so, yes, we have an, a life on this earth that, that we are building um, wealth and we are building 
things and we're doing, we're accomplishing goals and dreams and, and, and whatnot. But ultimately, and few people understand this, few people will get this. Some will today, some won't. Your purpose of your life is to bring glory to God. The second purpose is this is your purpose is to point people to Jesus Christ as long as you have breath on this earth, is to point people to Jesus Christ and tell people he's returning. So your purpose on this earth is to bring glory to God, point people to Jesus Christ, and let them know that Jesus is returning. Just think about that for a moment. It doesn't matter who you are, what social economic class you're in, how much money you have, or or what low position you have, or what high position you have. We all have the same purpose. We all have the same goal, the same common thread that drives us. That's the life of faith that we live. And so we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. So who are the, who are the, who are the crowd of witnesses? Well, these are the former playmakers of faith or the hall of famers, so to speak, or the highlight reel of all the people that have gone before you. If you would turn back one chapter in your Bible, that you would see Hebrews chapter 11. The writer of Hebrews talks about the, these people who are the hall of famers, so to speak, of faith. They, they get this really cool accolade in the Bible about these common people, these ordinary people like you and I, that had various degrees of jobs, some that were wealthy people and some that were very common, some that had reputable uh, blue-collar jobs, white-collar jobs, from an executive level people who, who hung around with kings to people who, um, like Rahab, who were prostitutes. All different walks of life who, were, who land in the hall of fame, who understood that their purpose that they lived in life was to bring glory to God, point people to Jesus in his return. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying that this is the huge crowd of witnesses. These people are, have gone before us, and somehow or another they're, peeling, they're, they're kind of peering from their, their vantage point in heaven, and they're watching you live your life. You're a common person doing the same thing. They're watching you live your life and the troubles and things you're dealing with. And they're examining your faith and seeing what decisions and choices that you're making. But in addition to that, not only in heaven that's taking place, but we also know that there's a degree of spectators around us in life. There's referring to people around us who are just kind of watching our faith and conduct. We're surrounded by a huge cloud of witnesses. That means that there's like a stadium of people who are observing both in heaven and on earth how we are living the life of faith that we have. Now, you have a role in talents and abilities that are going to lead you in your corporate jobs and the things you do in your life. And in addition to that, you are going to be served up hardships and struggles and circumstances that are going to complicate the life that you chose to live. And so along the way, this is how it's going to make your life complicated and your dynamic is going to shift. But your life of faith somehow has to still operate in the, in the, in the lane that you choose of, of your career path in your life and how it reconciles with the complications and the things and the cards that you're handed into in your life. Those two things working in concert with one another are, are a part of your life of faith, which you're supposed to, when they work together, no matter how complicated or hard they are, are supposed to bring glory to God and point people to Jesus and somehow or another also remind people along the way that he's coming soon. This is the responsibility. And in heaven, we're surrounded by a huge cloud of witnesses that are saying, come on, go, 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 go. 
People who have gone before you have done the same thing. Joseph is this, oh, I've been there. Oh, I know hardship. I was thrown in a well. I was sold into slavery. I, 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 I get where you're coming from. That looks like it's hard. But don't give up. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses and life of faith, strip off every weight that slows you down. Especially the sin that so easily trips you up. You see, they're pulling for you and they're rooting for you. It, it's kind of like the Hall of Fame of faith. And not, it's kind of like the Hall of Fame in the NFL. Um, let me put it this way. The, the NFL has a Hall of Fame, right? And the Hall of Fame in football, if you were to go there, you would see all of the famous football players from all throughout time. I've never been there, but I imagine that there'd be photographs and memorabilia everywhere and stories along the way, along the walls, that you would be able to see all the different stories. And these players would be players from all different teams who played all different positions, who had all different levels of skills and talents, who had all different levels of backgrounds, some that lived charmed lives that were sent to Ivy League schools, others that started off in the lowest of, 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 of poverty but also made it. And so they had played in all different time periods, all different eras. They overcame all kinds of different obstacles, both physical and financial. They had all different types of records, winning and losing streaks, and they played all kinds of different games and all kinds of different weather and all kinds of different seasons, but they all played for the same prize. Did you hear me? It didn't matter. I mean, for whether it was 1960, whatever, all the way to 2021, they all played for the trophy. And they played in different positions, different hardships, and different struggles. The Christian faith, the life of faith is very similar to that. That we're all playing for that same prize. We're on different positions, different backgrounds, different stories. We're all playing for the championship. What is that championship? It's the life of faith to bring glory to God and point people to Jesus Christ. Through faith, people like Noah and Abraham and Moses and Joseph and Rahab, man, the list just goes on, overcome insurmountable obstacles and overcame impossible situations, demonstrated courage and created opportunities for the way of the Lord to be prepared. Gosh, all different stories, everybody playing their part, but each had a role in the kingdom of God, their life of faith. And the same is true with us today. The thing is, you and I are accountable to the roles that we play, regardless of whatever cards in life that we are dealt, whatever hardships and whatever struggles and challenges that we have during the race that we're running. You don't get to pick the hardships. You don't get to pick the challenges. The writer of Hebrews says we should set aside the hindrances because you never know when you're going to get hit with a hardship or a challenge. He says you ought to set aside the sins that you know are going to trip you up because you don't know what you're going to be faced with that's going to impede your progress. You certainly don't want a sin in your life that's going to fracture your relationship and halt your progress. But our job is to run 
is to run this race with endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. You have a job and a role and a career. That's building your kingdom. You have hardships and struggles and challenges that happen along the way of life. You don't get to pick. But your life as you know it has to bring glory to God and point people to Jesus and tell them that he's coming again. If you miss that big picture, you will get yourself consumed with your kingdom and there's no way that these type of moments in your life will not destroy you and bring you down and drive you to places in your life that you want to quit. Through it all, if you do not have your hope and your eyes on something greater than your kingdom, internally you will choke out, you will grow weak and weary, and it will, you'll be crushed under the weight and the pressure of whatever it is that you're dealing with in your life. It's so important that we have a hope bigger than ourselves. See, in a typical race, if you and I could pick a race that we would run, we would pick a race that we would understand the parameters of the race. If I was, now I'm not going to do this, but if I was ever going to join an obstacle race or something like that, I'd, I'd want to know a lot about it. How long is it? Well, it's 5K. Stop talking in Ks. How many miles? I don't understand Ks. <laughs> well, it's like three point whatever. Just say miles. Okay, I get that, but it sounds shorter anyway. Tell me that, you know. Right? Or whatever. But then I would study it to find out what are the obstacles. How can I prepare for this? What's the distance, the terrain, the conditions? I I would train for it. Because in in a typical race, the, the finish line is defined, and I would know what it would take in order to get to that finish line. But the challenge with the life that you and I live, this life of faith that we live, is that the finish line isn't defined. I don't know, in your situation, where the, the finish line is. And in, in our situation, I don't know how long it's going to take for God to answer our prayer to be able to, to bring healing to my wife. I don't know how long we have to go through chemotherapy. I don't know. I just don't know. I mean, the doctors don't give us hope, but we have hope in God. And we're just trying to reconcile all this stuff. And it just feels like this long journey. And we're just like, It would sure feel great if we had some type of defined way of measuring the end. It's virtually impossible to measure progress if you don't have some point that you say those reference, this is where the end is. Do you feel that way? Are you stuck maybe in a situation like that yourself? Do you have a shelf to put that on? Are you in a situation where you're like, I just don't see the end? Because... The truth is, when we are tempted, we are tempted to quit most often when we're in the middle of the race, when we can't see the end, when we can't see the finish line. Paul would write in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he, said, he, he would say these words towards the end of his life. He said, I fought the good fight, and I have finished the race, and I've kept the faith said from a man who understood what it was like to finally reach the end point. And here's what I know is true about every person in the room, is that you would desire this to be true about you. I know that to be true. But every Christian here in the room, you would want to be able to one day say, I fought the good fight. 
I've kept the faith, and I've finished the race. I've done it well. There's two ways in which I can look at that. One is the micro way, and one is the macro way. And, and I want to give you a tool on how you can be successful in the macro way. To be able to one day say, when you finally get to the end of your life, to say, I've fought the fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. How you and I can one day say that is by winning in the short parts of the races. Is that it's not about the, the, by, by, by looking at it in the long run, because sometimes we can be fully overwhelmed when we look at it in the big picture. But your job is to win the race today, just a little bit further, just to go a little bit more and a little bit longer. Because if today you can fight the good fight, if today you can keep the faith, if today you make decisions and choices in the middle of the story, in the hard part of the battle, in the time that you want to quit, if today you can make those choices and push through the temptation to want to quit, you can build towards the success that you desire. But I know that there's people out there just like myself who just wants to go, oh my gosh, this is so hard. I know that my bride has walked through those days. So how do you do it? Because it sounds great, Pastor Steve. Just try a little bit harder, a little bit more. What's, what's the solution? Do, do we have a solution? Does God's word give us a solution? Well, thankfully he does. And the solution is going to sound simple, but it is profoundly hard as well. In verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 12, it says, we do this. Here's how we do it. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. We sang about it a moment ago. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, it is well. In the middle of the storm, in the middle of the crisis, in the middle of the thing, I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on you. I'm going to trust on you. We, we saw Peter do this, right, in the wind and the waves when, when Jesus asked him to step out on the water and and when did he begin to sink? When he took his eyes off of Jesus and they went back again to the wind and the waves. And then he began to sink. We must fix our eyes on the person who the wind and the waves obey. Jesus. The author and the perfecter and the finisher of our faith. We keep our eyes on Christ. And we look to him as our example. The verse continues because the reason we look to him as our example, because of the joy awaiting him, Jesus had a joy that was awaiting him. He endured the cross and disregarded its shame. He was able to endure the cross because he understood the bigger picture. He understood the life that he was living was bigger than just the moment of time that he was standing in. He was able to endure the cross and disregard its shame. And then he was then seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from a sinful people. And you won't, be, you won't become weary and give up when you think about it that way. When you put it into perspective, after all, you've not yet given your life and struggle with sin. You see, we have a tendency to want to quit in the middle of the race, but we've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and continue to press on. And don't take our eyes off of him. We've got to keep him transfixed on him. Because the moment that we shift off, the moment we shift back into our circumstance, is the moment you and I will implode, we will struggle, and we will freak out. 
I know that too well. Because I can stand up here and preach moments like that. But there are days that I don't live like that. There are days that my wife doesn't live like that. There are days that my children don't live like that. And we have to correct our thinking and place it back on Christ. And when we do, everything begins to correct. The strength and the hope and the joy returns. And we find ourselves in the proper place again. And so in the best way I know how to counsel you, in whatever it is you're going through, with the highest level of transparency that I can bring you today, is you've got to do just that in your situation. Yes, you have a life, and it's full of great stuff. You're building a really great kingdom here on earth. But oh, for the love of God, don't fix your eyes on building a kingdom only on earth. Focus on earth. Don't ever forget, there is something way bigger of importance And that is your life needs to bring glory to God and point people to Jesus Christ, first and foremost. Then along the way, you're going to get hit and handed a deck of cards and punched in the face with something in your life that you never expected. And when these things interplay within the life of the thing that you're building, they naturally, too, should do the same thing, bring glory to God and point people to Jesus Christ. It doesn't change the way you live your life. You don't adjust anything. Do you see that? It's not a readjustment because all this hardship comes. But if you don't have that perspective on God, you're building your kingdom, and this comes, your whole life is readjusted. Do you see the difference? Man, what a difference it makes. We have a tendency to want to quit in the middle of the race, but we're motivated to finish the race when we can see the finish line and recognize our reward. Jesus endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. It was a couple years ago, I probably did the greatest accomplishment of my life and made the most stupid decision of my life simultaneously. And that was to ride my bike across the state of Florida with a group of Christian friends. (laughs) To go from Daytona Beach to Fred Howard Park. It was really the greatest accomplishment of my life and probably the stupidest decision. Look at me. I shouldn't, make, I shouldn't ride my bike across. These people were really all fit and trim, riding their little tiny bike. We all had to wear the same jersey T-shirt. They gave me this little tiny, you've seen the biker shirts, little tiny shirts. They hand me mine. I look like a tube of biscuits exploded when I put it on. This was a joke, right? We have to wear this? Oh, yeah, you got to wear it. We got to be a team. Can I be in the front of the picture? You know, that's just how I felt. But we started across, <laughs> yeah, I was next to Tony Dungy in my picture. You want to look really, I looked really, really heavy. <laughs> True story. We started across the state, and I, I was so optimistic. But we got to Mount Dora, middle of the state of Florida. And I just knew inside my heart there was no way in the world that I was going to make it across the state. I, I could feel my body completely failing I wanted to quit. I was losing feeling in my hands. They were just going tingling and numb. And I hadn't conditioned myself well enough. And so my core wasn't strong enough, which means that my my core wasn't strong. I was putting too much pressure on my hands because my back wasn't holding my back in position enough. So I was putting all the weight on the front of my hands. And I was killing the, the nerves in my hands. And so they were 
I was, I was losing strength and ability to pull the brakes and to shift. It was just, it was a dangerous place to be. And I was getting dehydrated. My quads were toast. My knees were weak. I wanted to quit. And I was rehearsing in my mind this speech that I would say to Jana about why I was quitting, which was different than the speech of what I would say to the girls and way different than the speech I would say to Seth because Seth would call me, you're a sissy, man. You know, I'm like, <laughs> so I was like, can I fake a heart attack? Because then everyone would be upset, and then they would come get me. And I was like, huh, I can't quit. I can't quit. But if it hadn't been for my Christian friends, Larry Calhoun, Lee Meredith, Steve Foxworth, they said, man, God brought you on this trip. Fix your eyes on him. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Push through the pain and go a little bit further and go a little bit further. So the next morning... I got up early, well before everybody else. I ate a healthy breakfast. I hydrated. I prayed. I got behind the group leader. Got my hands back on the handlebars again. I got behind that group guy, and I matched his cadence. And I said, I'm, I turned off my bike computer because for some reason that number was haunting me about how far we had to go and how far we had gone. I was freaking out about that. Turned that off. It was no longer about how far we had to go. It was about I need to go a little bit further. In Jesus' name, I'm going to go a little bit further. In Jesus' name, I'm going to go a little bit further. In Jesus' name, I'm going to go a little bit further. I had my phone. I turned it on and worship music playing. In Jesus' name, I'm going to go a little bit further. In Jesus' name, I'm going to go a little bit further. Behind me was Lauren, <laughs> Lauren Dungey. She was behind me. I was her windbreaker. I was a big guy. She was behind me. <laughs> she was stuck behind me. She goes, you keep going, you keep going. I'm like, a little bit further, a little bit further. But I made it across the state. And as soon as we got near Fred Howard Park, I could smell the salt water. I knew my family was waiting. And for the joy that was set before me to see my family, not as a failure, but as a victor, and to see a finish line that I had prayed that I would make it and thought I was going to die, but I made it. Boy, there was such a joy, and it invigorated me. I'll never do it again. But what a joy, folks. I'm telling you, there was something about that that was life impacting. And it was after that that I memorized this scripture because I had a new shelf to put this on. But I'm still drawing upon that experience in this scripture, even in the application of what I'm experiencing right now with my family. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. So take a new grip with your tired hands. And strengthen your weak knees and mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. I wanted to quit, and maybe you want to quit, but you can't. Don't give up no matter what you're facing. Fix your eyes on Jesus and lean into Him. I know the process is painful, and I know it hurts. But you got to trust that there's a purpose in this pain. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6. My wife and I were talking about this yesterday. And it says this, that in, this, in the pain and the sorrow and the troubles that you're dealing with, in this you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. But these things, this grief, this trials have come so that your faith of greater worth 
than gold. Your faith is of greater worth than gold. Even though it's perishing right now, it's being refined like a refiner's fire. Your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, though refined by fire, may be proved, that's that proving process, may be proved genuine, it's purifying it, and will result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. There is a pain in the process of that proving and that purifying and that refiner's process and fire that you're going through as you run this race. You're living your life in your kingdom with your eye on the larger kingdom, glorifying God, pointing people to Jesus Christ, navigating through the struggles and challenges that you were dealt with, all the while doing the same thing, glorifying God, pointing people to Jesus Christ. All that's working and it hurts. And it feels like a part of you is being torn apart and you wonder how much of you is going to be left when it's all said and done. But take heart, what God leaves in you when it's all said and done will be far more valuable than what he took away from you. Did you hear me? What God leaves in you will be far more valuable than what has been taken from you in the process that you've been through that was painful. Are you currently in the middle of some type of race like this that sucks? If so, you're in a good company. But don't give up. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Make every decision when you're fighting the good fight, keeping the faith. I'm going to glorify God in it, and I'm going to point people to Jesus every way of the three. Because then at the end of it, the story you get to tell is, I fought the good fight. I've kept the faith, and I finished strong. <laughs> because those who trust in the Lord, Isaiah 40, 31 says, they'll find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run, and they will not grow weary. And they will walk, and they will not grow faint. So take a new grip today with your tired hands. Strengthen your weak knees and mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. Let me pray for you. Father, as we close the service out, I pray, Lord, that you would allow us to sing this final song together as a congregation. The song that we sang before this message May we sing it now, Father, with a renewed understanding of the lyrics. That as we sing, through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all, it is well. That we recognize that, that through it all means that not just in the good times, but in the really hardship and difficult things that we've been dealt with, that we're going to keep our eyes on you and that we're somehow going to adjust ourselves to it and say, it's okay because you're with us. May we, Father, in the midst of our, our lives, be people who are determined to glorify you in our life, point people to you, Jesus, to help them know that they can have a relationship with you in forgiveness of sins, and help them know the urgency of that because you are coming again. Oh, Father, may we be people who don't quit in the middle of a difficult race because we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to this life of faith. 
Let us set aside all those hindrances and those sins that so easily beset us and keep us knocked down. And let us run with endurance this race that you have set before us, God. Thank you, Jesus, for being our example. And thank you for the victory over death that you have so we can fix our eyes on you, so we can get through anything. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 